everybody, my name is Pastor Jim. I'm so excited to be with you here today. A uh, couple quick announcements for you. We've got coming up next week, June 6th, we're doing an outdoor service right here at Connect in the Ashland campus. We're going to be outdoors. It's going to be live worship, live preaching. Kids ministry is going to be happening out on the basketball courts. It's going to be awesome. So if you're in an hour drive, I'm saying you're going to travel, get here, be here. It's going to be awesome. It's time for us to gather together in large groups again, declaring the goodness of God into the atmosphere, changing the atmosphere around our city. I want to see you here on June 6th. I can't wait to see what God's going to do. Come on, somebody. Let's get out and get into the presence of God and celebrate him for the world to see. Look forward to seeing you on June 6th. Also, real quick announcement and shout out to our small groups. We got small group sign-ups, so if you want to go to our website, go to uh, weconnect.cc and click on Connect and then Groups, and you'll be able to sign up for our small groups this summer. Hope to see you in a small group soon. So with that announcements being over, I'd like to get right to it. I'm excited to be here today. I want to start by simply just honoring this house and the man of this house, Pastor Derek. I came on staff here about a year and a couple months ago, and since I've been here, it was, it was really refreshing to enter into a group of people that accepted me for just being me, who called out of me the things that God had placed in me, who called out the gifts that God has given me and asked me to be simply the man of God that God designed me to be. And I'm so thankful to be part of this family and part of this church. And I'm thankful for Pastor Derek, who's spoken into my life, has taken time to pour into me, invest his wisdom and his life experience in me. And truly, PD, you are the man of this house. You are a man of God. You are a pastor to pastors all over this region. And I'm so thankful for you. And I just want to honor you today and say thank you for the opportunity to stand in front of our family and share the word of God. But even more than honoring PD, I want to honor the Lord. And so it's my greatest desire and prayer today that the word that I've received from the Lord, I am able to communicate to you and see life transformation happen in you. So I ask you, will you incline your ears, not just to me, but to the spirit of God that's going to speak to you today through this message. Will you soften your hearts and get ready to receive a call to change and transformation we're in a series right now about men, and PD's been preaching about men for the last couple of weeks, and it's been so good. So men, I'm calling you out. Are you ready to man up? Are you ready to hear the call of God for you? Will you step up and become who God needs you to be in this hour and for such a time as this? Listen, there's been some great messages. PD's been preaching out of the book of Genesis chapter 3. We've heard great messages about Adam and Eve and the fall in the garden and how they were hiding in the shrubbery. Somehow they thought that hedges of, of shrubs were going to protect them. They, they would hide um, from the fear of the consequences of their sins in the bushes and they would cover the shame of their nakedness with fig leaves. It was an, it's an interesting story of how we hide from what we lack in. We hide from where it hurts. And we don't want to look at ourselves and we don't want anybody else to see us there either. And it's a place where we abdicate our God-given identity to step into the falsehood of shame and fear and we live mediocre lives. I want to talk to you today about how it is time for us to step out and step up to be the men and women of God that we've been called to be. 
PD's overarching verse and, and, and a great verse out of Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30. Great verse. It simply says this. I search for a man among whom would build up a wall and stand in the gap before me and before the land so that I would not destroy it, but I found no one. It's a great verse and it's an interesting verse and it comes from a very hard season in the life of Israel. So if you want to turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 22, we're going to go back seven verses to verse 23, and we're actually going to unpack this text today. I promise to go back and visit Genesis PD. I'm not going to forsake the garden, but I do think it's important for us to look at the context of this verse. I think it's, it's an amazing verse. It's not easy. Men, women of God, I'm calling you out to look at things that aren't easy today. Everything in the word of God is profitable. It's good for teaching and direction and correction and rebuke. It is good for us to look at hard passages because it's good to look at ourselves and the hard things in our lives to find healing, restoration, and wholeness. So turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 23. If you're reading your Bibles... I encourage you to get out your highlighter. If you're doing it online, make sure, or you're doing it on your phone or on your tablet, get ready to underline or highlight however you do that. We're going to go through this. The title of my message today is Taking Off the Mask. Restoring original design to be the people of power, influence, and blessing. My title again is Taking Off the Mask. Verse 23 says this, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, say to her, you are a land that is not cleansed or rained on in the day of indignation. Get ready with your highlighter. Verse 25, the conspiracy of her prophets. Go ahead, underline conspiracy of her prophets. And in her midst is like a roaring lion, tearing the prey that they have devoured, people they have taken treasures from and precious things. They have made many widows in her midst. Verse 26, get ready to underline. And her priests have violated my laws. Underlined, priests have violated my laws and profaned my holy things. They have not distinguished between holy and unholy, nor have they made known the difference between unclean and clean. They have hidden their eyes from the Sabbath and they have profaned my name among them. Verse 27, her princes, go ahead, underline princes, in her midst are like wolves, tearing their prey to bloodshed, to destroy people, to get dishonest gain. Her prophets plaster them with untempered mortar, seeking false visions and divining lies for them, saying, thus saith the Lord when the Lord has not spoken. Verse 29, the people of the land used oppressions. Go ahead and underline, people of the land have used oppressions, committed robbery and mistreated the poor and the needy. And they have wrongly oppressed the stranger. Verse 30, our key text. So I sought for a man among whom would make a wall and stand in the gap before me and on behalf of the land so that I would not destroy it, but I found no one. This passage is actually a preacher's paradise. I mean, it's already alliterated. Look it, we have the prophet, the priest, the prince, and the people. They're all sitting right there. Devin, you'd be so proud of me. Preaching with peas. I know, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> but here we have people in positions of authority. People in positions of power. People in places of influence. People with the potential to be a blessing. And they forsook their God-given destinies 
for selfish gain, for self-protection, for their own desires, instead of standing in the gap and healing their land. Listen, we all have a position of power, and I don't have time to get into the prophet and the priests and the princes, but I want to talk to us as people, as men and women of God today. I want us to look at the fact that we have all been given a place of power to strengthen others. We've been given a place of influence to inspire others. We've been given the potential to be a blessing to others if we will step into our God-given identity and operate in power that comes from him through us for others. That others are to be the object of our love, the object of where we use our power and our influence and our blessing to help them become who they've been created to be instead of using power for selfish gain. In this passage, it makes it clear that power has the ability to turn the noble lion and the majestic wolf into carnivores that seek after their own gain. We do not want to be those people. First, we see and hear a call to be in a position of power, and it is primarily a call of responsibility, not that of privilege. There is a cautionary tale in this passage. It's not a happy passage about the day and the condition and the state of the nation of Israel. But the cautionary tale is this, that not even God's people are exempt from the temptation to exploit their position of power for personal gain and ultimately devastating the vitality of their own community. Second, we see that in the absence of the distinction between the secular and the sacred, Theology and morality are abandoned and there is a place of anarchy that reigns in Israel. And even more seriously than that, it leads to a place where the very character and reputation of God is disgraced. To make it practical to us, third, I would say for the survival of the church and for the survival of the nation of Israel at this point, there needed to be a man or woman who was willing to stand in the gap. Standing in the gap is not a place where we can self-gratify, power grab, or plaster slogans on our walls that declare peace and privilege. It is a place where where we stand in the gap for compelling appeals to repentance from sin and new commitment to God. The Lord came looking for a man in the nation of Israel to stand in the gap, and the nation was weighed measured and found wanting in the eyes of the Lord. Let me try and paraphrase it a little bit. I rewrote it in my own words to maybe make it make sense to us today. This is the Jim Galvin translation of the passage. Media influencers among you have become desperate for followers. Like roaring lions, they have killed, tearing down anything and everyone to build up their own factions. Indiscriminately, they grasp at straws, ransack lives, leaving orphans and widows in their wake. Religious leaders disgrace holy things, declaring that there is no longer a difference between sacred and secular. They tell the people that there is no difference between right and wrong. Politicians excuse, uh, extinguish identity embarking on the genocide of character and morality, leaving the masses staggering and disoriented so they can take whatever they want. Influencers and religious leaders cover up for the politicians by pretending they've received visions and special revelations, creating fake news. 
People live out of desperation. Extortion is prevalent. Robbery is an epidemic. The poor and needy are abused. Outsiders are kicked around at will and have no access to justice. I think the nation of Israel and our current state have a lot in common. I think it's time for us to man up. I think it's time for the men and women of God to step up, to realize who they're called to be and realize that it is simply a lie of the enemy that power corrupts. There is a temptation there, but power in and of itself is not wicked and it doesn't have to corrupt. We were created to be people of power. And when we use our power for what God intended it to be, we can see change, transformation, and blessing happen in our land. Today is the day to step into our power. Let me unpack my first point for you. God has created us to be people of power. Now, whether we were in Ezekiel's days or we are today, the reality is that power and authority was given to us as Christians. It's actually part of every human's God-given DNA. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. A little bit farther back than chapter 3, but where God created Adam and Eve. He said this, Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing on the earth. Then in verse 28, jumping ahead, just a verse, it says this, And God said to them, that's Adam and Eve, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. Twice in these two passages, God says have dominion to subdue the earth, to be people of power, authority, and influence. He gave us and created us to have authority over and have power over things. Power is not wrong in and of itself. Adam and Eve did well in the garden until the fall. After they fell and they were tempted and they ate of the fruit and they hid themselves in the shrubbery, they began to distort what power was intended to be. And I believe it's our, it's our inheritance to reclaim power to be an influence in our community. God created us before we were formed in our mother's wombs to be his masterpiece. He is our creator. And if we would seek out our true self to know who God created us to be, to realize what he created us to do, then we could use power to give life and not cause death. Matthew 28 and verse 18 says this. It's a famous passage called the Great Commission. Jesus, after he died and rose again, was on the Mount of Olives just before he ascended. And his last words to the disciples were this. All power in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore into all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I will be with you until the end of the age. I want to take you to that first line. It says, all power has been given to me. That word power in the Greek is this. It says asuia, asuia. It's a compound word. I know it sounds funny, but that's what it is. It has two primary words, ek, which means out from or out of, and emi, which means I am. Out of the I am comes the power. It flows out from the I am. See, Moses in the beginning was meeting with God at a burning bush and he said to God, who shall I tell the Pharaoh 
has sent me. And he said, I am the I am. I want to tell you that the creator God who created you in his image is the I am that lives in you. And he flows out of you with power and authority to transform the world around you. And if we will step into who God called us to be and use the power that he gave us through the Holy Spirit, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is the same power that lives in you. That same spirit is made and created for you to change the world around you. But we abdicate We abuse power and we misuse it in the name of our own selfish gain and building our own kingdoms. But today is a day to reclaim our identity as ones who carry power that flows out of the I am. As I prepared for this message, even just moments ago, I was on Google and I just searched out news articles for today. And I found... Just about every article that I found on the news were about people abusing and misusing power. Whether they used it for their own gain or whether they abdicated it and did nothing when they should have to create change. Everything around us is talking about people of power. And it is time that everyone around us starts talking about Christians who are filled with power for change, for the glory of God instead of for personal gain. It is time for us to step up and be the men of God that we've been called to be. Church, help me preach this. This is good. I hope you're getting excited on the other side of this screen. I might be alone in this room, but you are not alone. God is with you. I love you. Time to step up. Come on, church. We see two extremes when people misuse power. We see the abuse of power which is what people do by lording it over others for personal gain. And at the expense of others, they become addicted to power and they continue to build their own kingdoms. We can abdicate power. We can give it up with this false belief that we really don't desire power. But the truth is we just then engineer small lives where we create a false sense of security and comfort and safety. And we really believe that in that little world that we created, that we never have to change. And God has called us to change, to be on a life-changing spiritual journey. And when we hide in those small places that we've engineered with the absence of power, where we think that we're protecting ourselves from all the horrible things around us, we fail to live life abundantly. Both of these are distortions of God's power in us. And it is time for us to step up and take a stand to be people of power. Next, we need to identify and remove the masks that we wear. I want to share with you a short story of my life. When I was a little boy, I was saved at a young age and I used to go to Christian school up until fourth grade. And in fifth grade, I went to the public school and it was hard. I'll tell you, the culture wasn't nice to me. I didn't know the swear words. I couldn't tell you the off-color jokes that they were talking about. I didn't fit in with anybody. But I was a good Christian. I had enough self-confidence and a little bit of God confidence at that point that I had the boldness to walk up to the prettiest girl in school. And in that fifth grade hallway at that locker, I said, hey, will you go out with me? Not that I even knew what that meant. But I asked her out and she said no. And it all went downhill from there. I didn't fit in. I didn't, I didn't know the words. I didn't understand the culture of, of public school. I was an outsider. 
But over the hill, over the mountain and through the woods to another town just a half hour away is where I played hockey. And I was a good hockey player. The school that I was in did not have a hockey program. And on the other side of the mountain, I became popular. I was the cool kid. I was good at hockey. We went to state championships and national championships, and we had fun. Everybody wanted to be my friend. Every joke I made was funny. I dated my friend's sisters. It was a great time. But when I came back home Monday through Friday, I put back on an identity. I put back on this thing of shame and fear, and I would walk into a school where I felt rejected. It was there, it was in this season of my life when I was 12 and 13 years old that I started to hear the enemy speak to me and say to me, she rejected you at that locker that day in fifth grade. The boys don't want to hang out with you because you don't play basketball. You play hockey on the other side of the mountain. They've rejected you. I started to believe the lies that I wasn't good enough, that I didn't understand the culture, so I was rejected by the very environment I was placed in. I wasn't very good at school, and so I felt I was even rejected by the school system. And very subtly, the enemy changed his words. And he said to me, Jim, you're not just rejected. He said, you are rejection. And I began to take on an identity of rejection. And it started me on a journey for the rest of my life where I came to realize that if I would simply go over the mountain and through the woods, and I performed at something well... I could find the acceptance and approval of people by my performance. And it wasn't just about a hockey game. It was about everything that I did. I sought after the approval of man because I thought I was rejected. I was rejection. And so what I have to say to you today, guys and gals, is that we all wear masks. And I don't know what mask you wear. And I hope that my, by me sharing my story with transparency and vulnerability, that you will be willing to look in the mirror at yourself and realize that you're wearing a mask. And it is time to take that mask off. It is time to realize that God has more for you. But we have to realize that there's a mask there. We ha- actually have to start to look for it. Some of you might know it's there. Some of you might have felt the pressures of it. Some of you know about it. And some of you should start looking for it. The lies that we believe help us build our masks of our false self, result, the results of which ruin our influence on others. Our masks become what I like to call our elaborate fake. It's a lot of work to live in a fake reality. It's a lot of work to hide behind the bushes and the fig leaves of the garden. It's where we hide our fear, our trauma, our guilt, our shame. The list goes on and on. It's the elaborate fake that is where we hide our true self so that we can survive in a world apart from God. Let me say that again. It's in this elaborate fake that we hide our true self. It's our only recourse to live in a world apart from God. It's how we survive our day-to-day because we abdicated our position of relationship with our Heavenly Father. Just like Adam and Eve in the garden, they hid themselves from God because they were ashamed of what they had done and they abdicated their relationship with the Father and they put on a mask and they tried to cover themselves with fig leaves so they wouldn't have to face the pain in the wounds of who they were and they forfeited 
their God-given right to wholeness and healing. And I believe that today is the day that we need to identify the mask and take it off and step into who God has called us to be. I'll say this, many of us have become mature in our fake self, in our false identity. One of the saddest things I've heard in recent years, I came to realize how true this was. But I've heard that phrase, and maybe you have too, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And it really hard, it's, it breaks my heart when I hear of people that say, oh, that's just who he is. He's never going to change. And when I think of that, and when I realize the implication of that, it simply means this, that they became so good at their fake that they stopped living, they stopped growing, they stopped maturing because they were happy engineering their lives so small that they never had to grow outside of that simple identity that they had created for themselves. Our fake self serves us well a lot of the times and we can work hard at it for years, but in the later years of our lives, we simply lay down and die because we stop advancing the kingdom of God. We stop moving forward in the power and the authority that we were created to have from the first breath to the last breath. It is time, I don't care your age or where you come from, it is time to take off the mask and realize that there is more to be done, that there is more adventure for you to have, there is more life for you to live if you take off the mask and trust God for all that he has for you. Hiding behind the fear and shame of fig leaves leaves us in a constant state of isolation, leaves us in a state of pending burnout. Constantly wearing a mask of fake is exhausting. It's a performance that leaves us always worried that someone's going to figure out who we really are. The scariest part is that when we try and let someone in, we don't even know what they're going to find. Because the reality is, is it was so long ago that you gave up your true self in the bushes that you forgot who you are. You forgot who you were created to be. You've forgotten your true identity and all you know now is your fake self. Will you be willing to look with me behind the mask? Would you be willing with me to look at the pains and the wounds of our past and realize that healing comes when we look at the open wound, that only the surgeon that looks at the wound can sew it back together. It's when we hide it and cover it that we miss out on being whole and healed again. It is time to take off the mask and go back and look at who God created you to be. I don't know about you, but when I was a boy, I think I lived on mission every day of my life. Every sword or every stick became a sword or a gun. Every rock was a hand grenade. <laughs> every day I got a new thing. I remember getting my bike and I was passionate to get on my bike because my kingdom had just expanded from my backyard to the whole neighborhood as far as I could ride from sunup until the streetlights came on. We used to go passionately on adventures around the community Everything was about an adventure. We would conquer every empty lot that was wooded was a new kingdom to be conquered, destroying aliens and rescuing princesses. I don't know what happened with your childhood, but my childhood was great and we had a lot of fun and we had a crazy imagination, okay? Uh, we got in a little bit of trouble, but we had a lot of fun. But the reality is, as a boy, we had a mission. But as a man, we've become complacent with the mundane. Wow. As a boy, we had passion. 
As a man, we've become passive. As a boy, we had adventure. But as men, we have, we have become okay with the ruts in the routines of our day in and day out. It's time for us to realize, and truly it's the desire of my heart, that the boy that you were on mission with passion in the spirit of adventure was the training God that God had created for you to be kings in his kingdom, to live fully alive, a life abundant, yet we've settled for existence in the mundane, passively grinding through the ruts and routines. It's time to take off the mask and be people of power. Oh Lord, save us. Save us from brittle bone, weak knees, easily offended, easily influenced, plastic, spineless, hard-hearted, disconnected, disengaged, self-centered, self-empowering, self-protected men. Lord, it is time for us to stand and be Christians, to be the men that you've called us to be. It's time for us to man up. So no, I ask you the same question that God asked Adam and Eve in the garden. Where are you? Where are you spiritually? Are you hiding behind a mask? Or are you who God called you to be? Are you living a life abundant as a king in the kingdom? Or are you simply existing in the mundane, in the routine? It hurts. It's meant to sting. But it's time to look at it. It's time to look at the pain. Tell you one more story real quick. When I, was, uh, when I was newly married, it was Thanksgiving Day, and I was down in the wood shop with my father just before Thanksgiving dinner, and I was using a drill press. And I think you probably already know where this story is going to go. I was drilling down, and all of a sudden, I don't know how it happened, but that drill bit decided to chase after my thumb, and it won the race. And uh, I got my thumb all cut up, and I'll tell you, I reached over, and I grabbed a rag. And I knew it was bad, and I covered the rag over my thumb, and uh, and I held it real tight, and I didn't look at it, didn't want to look at it. My adrenaline was going, my emotions were going. I looked over at my father, and I said, put everything back in the oven, because we're go- or take everything out of the oven, because we're going to the hospital. So we went to the hospital, and I remember just before the doctor came in the room, slowly uncovering the wound. I remember my emotions had dropped, the adrenaline had dropped, the pain was bearable, and I looked ever so closely at the wound on my thumb, and I could see the bone in the knuckle and the tendon, and I knew it was bad. And I simply covered it back up and waited for the doctor who stitched me back up. I went to the hospital. But my question to you, men, women of God, how many times have we been wounded in our soul and we simply covered it up and didn't deal with it? When the adrenaline and the emotion went away, we simply thought it was good enough to leave it alone. How many times do my kids walk in with a scraped knee or a cut on their finger and I, as a good father, say, don't look at it. (laughs) Because I know if they look at the blood, their emotions will go sky high and they'll start crying uncontrollably, even though the scrape isn't bad enough for the tears. No one likes looking at the wounds of their life. No one likes looking at... That's why we all look away when they take our blood because it's not nice to look at the wounds. Okay, maybe you do. Maybe you're the one who looks when they take blood, but I definitely do not. Men, most of us have just enough religion to be miserable. Men, 
most of us have just enough religion to be miserable. I tell you, when I was a young boy and I started to believe that I was rejected, I was in church. When I was a young man and I still believed that I was rejection, I was in church. Listen, you can come to church and still be disconnected from the power of God. Listen, we have just enough religion. We know just enough about it to know that we're not where we need to be and we're miserable because of it. And here's what I want to say. Man, you only have enough religion to be miserable because you lack in your relationship to be powerful. This is only a new revelation for me, so I share it with you fresh from the heart of God. We lack in relationship to be powerful. And if we would know the one who created us, we would have enough strength to look at the wounds and peel back the cloth and find healing and wholeness from the one who created us. It brings me to my next point. It brings me to my next point, which means we need to replace the mask with relationship. It's time to replace the mask with relationship. Jesus was the best example of this. Time and time again, he ran away from his disciples. It must have drove them nuts. He would run up to a mountain to pray. He would disappear early in the morning, late at night, to get alone with the Father. And Jesus would say this, the things that I have said and the things that I do are not my own. I only say what I hear the Father say, and I only do what the Father has shown me to do. If Jesus himself can model strength and power out of a place of dependency, how much more do we need relationship and a dependency on our heavenly father? We need to be in relationship so that we can move in power and authority. We all have dysfunction. Men and women of God, we all have dysfunctions. We all have sin. That's not the problem. Why? Because Jesus Settled it all once and for all on the cross. We are forgiven. The problem is that we have a choice to make and we choose wrong most of the time. It was the other day I told my kids they had a choice. They could come to church or they could stay home and watch it online. Well, they chose to stay home and watch it online. So I started headed towards the car and I opened the front door and said, come on, it's time to go. And they said, what? You told me we had a choice. (laughs) and I said, no, you chose wrong. Get in the car, (laughs) right? We need to start parenting like that. I mean, I'm not saying that I got it all figured out. I'll give my kid a choice, but if they choose wrong, I need to correct them and drag their butts to church. Listen, here's the deal. I get off on a bunny trail there. Don't let me get started. Listen, the problem is that we have a choice. It's not that we have sin. It's not that we have dysfunction. We have a choice to choose comfort or to confront the problem. The choice is we can choose comfort where we feel okay or we can confront the reality of the problem is that we're wounded and broken and our soul needs healing. I don't care what your hurt, your habit, or your holdup is. God can make a way if you're willing to surrender it to him. It's not about your dysfunction or your sin. God works through sinful people all the time. It's not about your hurt, your holdup, or your hangup. It's not about your addiction. It's about are you willing to face it and surrender it to God? Let me say this. Men, we do not fail God. We simply give up trying. Let me say it again. Men, we do not fail with God. We simply give up trying because the enemy says, You were rejected. You were rejected. You were rejected. You are 
rejection. And we look back at the evidence of our past and we say, it must be true. This lie must be true. But I'm here to tell you today that it's a lie from the pit of hell and that you are accepted. You are called, chosen, sanctified, called by God and never turning back. You are moving forward in the name of Jesus. We are not going to settle for mediocre Christianity any longer. It is time for us to step up, to make the choice, to confront the wound and to find healing and wholeness. We accuse others of failing. We accuse them of doing the wrong thing. We excuse ourselves for not matching the standard or meeting the standard. We can accuse others, we can excuse others, and we can excuse ourselves, or we can make a choice to change. We can make a choice to own it and become the man of God that we've been called to be, to stand in the gap on behalf of others, to stand on the gap for our wives, for our families, for our jobs, for our city, for our region. That's why we're coming together on June 6th, to stand in the parking lot and make a choice for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, to declare Him high above it all. It is time for us to make a choice to come out of the quarantine, out of the bushes, and take off the mask of the false self, not just the mask for COVID, but to step into our God-given identity to be people of power that propagate the truth of his love for the world around us. I could have left that rag on my thumb for the rest of my life, but when I walked outside of the house, someone would look at me and say, why is there a rag on your thumb? Someone would look at me and say, why are you living with only one thumb? That's why I need to be in relationship because there's things in my life that need to be called out and I've been walking around with a limp or half a thumb hanging off my body and I can't see it anymore because I forgot who I was created to be. I thought I was just a nine-fingered man because I've been walking around with a rag on my thumb for so long. I've been walking around with half the power, half the blessing, half of my identity and I haven't been living the fullness of what God has given me to live in. And so I need other people in my life to say, stop living a half-life. Start living a full life. Start living life abundantly. The things you say, the ungodly beliefs that you believe. That's what happened to me. Someone once said to me, Jim, why, why are you so willing to work overtime? Why are you so willing to seek the approval of your boss and sacrifice the influence of your children? It took another man in my life to look at my wound, to help me see that I believed that I needed the approval of my boss more than I needed to influence my legacy in my children for generations to come. I had compromised my identity. Listen, when the enemy lost the battle for my soul when I was seven years old and I said yes to Jesus, he started a new campaign to war against my influence. He might have lost my soul, but he was fighting for my influence and he started to destroy it and distort it from the way that I treated my wife to the way I treated my kids to the way I treated the people I worked with because it was all about performance. It was all about metrics. It was all about me expanding my kingdom because I was rejection but I'm here to tell you today I am no longer who the enemy says I am I am who God says I am I am alive, I am accepted and I am free come on guys, this is what it's all about so let me ask you are you married? are you a husband? or are you a roommate? you got kids? are you a father? or just a familiar face? you go to church? are you engaged? Or are you disconnected? Are you on a life-changing spiritual journey? Or are you just playing the game? Wow. Yeah. 
Those are some hard statements and they're meant to sting because they're supposed to aggravate you, disrupt you, awaken you to the realization that there is more. It's supposed to take you from a place of aggravation to awakening, to realizing that there is a hope and our hope is named Jesus and our hope is in a better way of living. Our hope is a place of power where we can strengthen others. Our hope is a position of influence where we can inspire inspire others. Our hope is that we have the potential to be a blessing to those around us. I hope that you are stirred. I hope that you're in some form of aggravated, uncomfortable, or disorientation. Because I know with that that there is an emotion. But I'll tell you that emotion is meaningless without an action attached to it. Emotion without motion is meaningless. So here's what I have to say to you today. Point three is that we need to replace our mask with relationship. So I say to you right now, choose to get off of this this, this sermon that you're hearing on whatever screen you're watching on and go over to WeConnect.cc and sign up for a small group right now in Jesus' name. Get in a relationship with other men. Get in a relationship with other women. Let me say that again. Men with men, women with women. All right? Get in a relationship with people that will carry you to Jesus, that will help you to see your wounds, that will tell you to take the Band-Aid off and fix the problem. Listen, men, women, your legacy is at stake. Get into relationship with other people so that you can be healed and whole. I want to say this. When I was a little boy, I used to love watching this show called Star Trek. Now, I'm not a Trekkie, but I just simply remember the intro. It says, to go where no man has gone before, to the final frontier. I want to suggest to you men that there is a frontier waiting for you, and it's called your soul. I want you to engage on mission with passion, on an adventure to find the restoration of your soul. It's not a journey you have to go on alone. There's other men that are willing to walk alongside of you in trust and transparency and in vulnerability with you. Your heavenly father has been calling you and inviting you into a relationship to find your soul, your true identity of who you were created to be as a man of power. I want to I want to declare these things over you. These are affirmations that I've learned a long time ago and they help, me, they help me to know who I truly am. So I'm going to say them fast and I'm going to say them with passion, but I want you to listen, not just with your ears, but with your soul. And I challenge you, if you are stirred, if you are moved by the things that are spoken, it's because it's the identity that God created you to have. It's because the Spirit of God is calling out to the depths of your soul, saying, this is the way, walk in it. These are the affirmations of what it means to be a Christian man. We are strong. We are mighty. We are weapons of righteousness in a world of darkness. We are not our past. We are not what we did. Nothing can separate us from God, not death, nor demons, not past or present. No power of this earth will ever separate us from the love of God. We are who God says we are, forgiven, redeemed, and free. We are not hostage to our unhealthy thoughts. Come on, somebody. We are not divine. Uh, We have divine power to demolish strongholds in our mind and in our soul. We have the word of God guiding our steps. We have the mind of Christ directing our thoughts. We take every thought captive and bring it subject to Jesus Christ. Worry is not our master. 
Anger is not in control of us. We trust in God. Our God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. We are not slaves to our habits. We are not prisoners to our addiction. We are empowered, chosen, and called. We are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works through his power. Our God will bless us abundantly so that in all things, at all times, we will have all that we need. Our God is for us. He is with us. No weapon formed against us will prosper. Our identity is in Christ and Christ alone, not in what we buy or what we have. Our lives belong to God. Daily will we seek him. Daily he will direct our steps. We are men of God. Church, friends, family, anybody watching this, if you want to come out from behind the shrubs, if any of what I've said today has tugged at your heartstrings and you want to move into a place where you can know Jesus and find freedom, find wholeness, discover your purpose, step into the power that God has given you to lead with, then today can be that day. If you want to make this decision for Jesus, it's the first step in many steps to come to get to know him and be healed and whole. So if that's you today, simply this without any extra fluff, I'm just going to invite you to pray this prayer with me to accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, to believe that he is the Savior of the world, the Son of God, and to confess that you have sinned and fallen short. And it is simple as that, with the confession of our mouth and the belief of our heart that we'll be saved. So if that's you, let's pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are Lord of all and that if we could trust in you, that you would heal our hearts. So Lord, we believe that you are Lord and Savior. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and that we have sinned and fallen short. And we ask now that you would forgive our sins, heal our hearts, and save our lives. We submit ourselves to you for the rest of our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you prayed that prayer, I just invite you to right now, wherever you are, text CC saved to 97,000. Again, that's text CC saved to 97,000 because we want to send you a book called Next Steps. We want to help you start a life-changing spiritual journey. That's what this is all about. Men of God, in this series about men, it's time to take off the mask. It's time to be men of power. God bless you. Hope to see you on June 6th or in a small group near you. God bless you. Amen.